Welcome, guys, to the uh, Shores of Ignorance. Hello. Hello. Yeah, just want to tell you guys thank you, and um, we'd love for uh, to hear from you guys on Instagram and leave us a little note. Come say hi. Uh, DM us if you have any questions or things you'd like to like to tell us. We'd love to hear. I concur. All right. Thanks we'll for listening. Second. Yeah. It comes like a fleeting memory. Whatever you, Whatever you grab just turns to dust. dust. Like eye contact with a stranger stranger out of the crowd. It's a dream that you to the passing note of the it's more of a statement or an idea or a thought. Okay. okay. <laughs> let's okay. do let's do it. <laughs> let's do our thing. Hey. Alright. To the shores. To the shores. Welcome. Cheers. How are you? Oh man. I'm uh <clears throat> pretty good. Just uh watching old Bitcoin go to sixty six. Woo! Damn. New all time high, baby. Yeah. I almost want to take the conversation there right now. It's like, yeah, Matt and I've been looking at what mining is and listen to Pomp and Nick Carter talk about stuff. Man, that was a great, great conversation. Yeah. So many uh, cool, innovative <clears throat> opportunities yeah. surrounding cryptocurrency. It really is. Which is so surprising in a certain way because, like, a lot of the conversation that hits the mainstream is about like, Oh, it uses so much energy. It's not green. It's all these things. But then when you actually look at what's going on, it's utilizing unused energy almost primarily. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which uh, it's hard for energy that would otherwise be not used. Yeah. Not used or wasted or even it gives the opportunity for energy companies to build their their to capacity and beyond because most of the time they're only using 23% of what they, what they actually are built for. And there's a lot, a lot of wasted uh, energy that's happening, especially on the, with, with the law of solar and wind that's sitting out there. Yeah, especially with renewables. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because they're so far away that <clears throat> to get that to an actual place that will use it. You know, there's so many fascinating nuances in everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, if there's anything that you're an expert in, you know that. You yeah. know that most people don't understand what's actually going on. Mm-hmm. But when you hear experts or people like intimately familiar with an industry that you're not intimately familiar with. And, and those nuances are revealed, mm. you know, it's like someone who is, who is a communicator, um, a good enough communicator that they can reveal those nuances to you without you having to actually go like embody them to understand them. Mm-hmm. Um, so many fascinating things with cryptocurrency as well as just like green energy and climate in general. Mm-hmm you start understanding the nuances and you're like, this is nothing like the, the sort of clickbait headline narrative that you get from Twitter and Facebook. Yeah. No, it's super fascinating. I mean, just even in that whole idea of like what we're encountering things, it's like, we're kind of fed this, like, uh, you know, just for lack of a better term, I know we shit on mainstream media a lot, but like, but they deserve it. Yeah, they deserve it. But you're fed this narrative. And if you start scratching below the surface, you start to kind of find like, Whoa, wait a minute. I don't think I know as much as I, as I thought I did. Right. It's like, sometimes it's easier not to, to know because it's like you're one, you're not accountable for it. And Mm -hmm. and two, it's just like, just takes so much energy, you know, to, to put your time and effort into trying to understand something because of all the nuances. And it's not as black and white as a lot of times we're led to believe, you know? Right. And I think that's kind of like something we want to talk about tonight or kind of start the conversation with is like, there's kind of like, uh, I'm sure there's more. I mean, this might be oversimplified, but I'm just going to kind of use it as a as a springboard. It's like there's kind of three breaking points. I was kind of thinking about this yesterday morning or this morning. Um, you know, the first breaking point is sort of you get to the end of your understanding of something, and then you realize, oh, I don't really grasp this. And there's a place where you just kind of stop and quit. You just kind of break at that point, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and you don't push through. You don't push through into the next, you know, it's like, and again, I'm not talking about like, there's times in your life, like, okay, I don't have time for this. And in, I'm talking about just in general, more of a character thing is like, um, when you get to those breaking points that you just stop because it takes too much time and too much effort to really get into something. And then you kind of the second breaking point where <clears throat> you get to that place where you're like, Oh my gosh, I don't understand this and it's going to take a lot of work to kind of get my head around what this is. And it takes time and effort and energy in order to kind of expand that part of your Island, uh, a lot of work and digging <coughs> and, and all that kind of stuff. So, <coughs> so that'd be another breaking point, but it leads to like 
work, but that would have yields kind of a future fruit. You know, you see that if I put the work into this, that I will yield something into the future. And, and then there's a third breaking point where you kind of sometimes see it in the conversation where, uh, I mean, I experienced with Matt a lot. It's like, you're, you're at your breaking point, but something about being in relationship and conversation that it actually propels you into something you didn't even understand. You didn't even think you understood or, or had a grasp on. And it sort of like blows up into this something that you would not have expected. And so it's kind of a breaking point that, that is, it's kind of built off of things that you've already learned. And it, it could even happen <clears throat> after that second breaking point where you spend so much time and then you, then you start to discuss it and you're like, Whoa, I actually have a grasp on this. It's like a breakthrough. Grasp. It's a breakthrough. Yeah. Um, so I, I kind of think of those things as, as far as like, you know, even in work, you know, it's like whenever you're, you're at a job, it's like, I'm just going to do what I'm, I'm, I'm expected to. And that is a B C mm-hmm. that'd be kind of like the first, the first breaking point, you know, it's like where people are just willing to do just enough. And then the second is like, I'm going to put some work into this and I'm going to learn this. and I'm going to get better at this. And the third is you get into a situation where you actually thrive and you see that you're, that you're really capable. And like this job is actually bringing something out of you. You didn't even know you had, Mm. you know, what does that mean to thrive? Do you think it means is growth a part of thriving? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would imagine. So it's like, Mm -hmm. you just kind of, it's really more, I think I'd put more of emphasis on something that you had that you didn't understand or see that you actually had and it begins to flourish and you begin to kind of reap fruit from that. Hmm. And it can be activated by other people too. You know, it's like, you know, when you get around certain people that are, are a certain way, you actually, it actually draws you into this, like, uh, like almost even a flow state kind of thing where you start to, you start to go beyond your, your abilities or what you thought you were capable of, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, yeah, so that's kind of that's kind of uh, the idea, and it's I guess the another aspect of that too is is like where what kind of gets you there? You know, I mean, do you, do you ever experience those those three areas? Mm-hmm. Well, so maybe just for a second, mm-hmm. I'll say I don't I don't see a difference between the first two. So, like a breaking point where you stop and a breaking point where you continue, it's still the same breaking point. Yeah. Is that true? Mm-hmm. Okay. It's more what you do. It's more with what you do at that place. Yeah. And the third is more of a, I would say there's a maturity in the third in that you know that it's sort of like with the Navy SEALs, the Navy SEALs want to take you to your breaking point and beyond and basically want to kill you and bring you back to life. So you will know what that really is. And Mm. I find that in different stages in our life, we need to be taken to our breaking points to really know where that is. Because sometimes I think there's a hypothetical breaking point that we think, I cannot handle anything more beyond this point. And I just don't think that's, I think that there's a certain settling that we kind of do when we don't push into that next. Mm. And it's not about being like a, a, uh, adrenaline junkie, you know, it's like, and haphazardly and that kind of thing. But, yeah. okay. <clears throat> so something that came to mind is that, um, you know, we talk or have in the past talked a lot about consciousness and what that is, mm-hmm. you know, at least privately, I don't know how much of that we brought onto the podcast, but I think one, at least one explanation for what consciousness is that makes sense to me is that consciousness is what deals with what's novel. Hmm. Um, you know, we know anything that you know how to do well, like, let's just say driving a car, for example. And then we've talked about this before you can drive a car and then all of a sudden, you know, you kind of wake up and you're like, how did I even get here? It's like the task you've gotten so good at the task that you no longer need your consciousness to do it. Hmm. And so it, it becomes, you know, we have words for it. We'll say it's muscle memory, you know, when it comes to playing an instrument, let's say, or a sport, um, or, um, you know, you memorize your times tables, let's say it's like, you don't have to actually, you don't have to consciously think about these things. So consciousness, once it learns something new that becomes incorporated into the unconscious, 
Um, so, so that consciousness is freed up to deal with what's new, Mm -hmm. assuming there's something new to deal with. Um, you know, and I think that there are just like everything else. Um, if everything that you're doing is unconscious muscle memory, consciousness doesn't have anything to deal with, you get bored. Mm. The other side of that is that if everything that you're dealing with is new, you burn out. Mm. So I think that first breaking point is probably characterized by you're moving towards something, whether that's an understanding or learning a new skill or, um, or otherwise, as you're moving toward that, you're incorporating, you're, you're dealing with a lot of new information, a lot of newness. And so your consciousness is dealing with almost everything. Mm -hmm. And at some point your consciousness goes, I can't go any further. And so you, you kind of break and that could be, well, I've, I've reached the limit of my understanding, but I think really what that is, is you haven't reached the limit of your understanding because you've always been at the limit of your understanding, assuming mm-hmm. that you've been pushing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's more, I have so many new things to deal with. I need time for my consciousness to sort through these things mm. and decide which of these things can I incorporate into that muscle memory or memory or unconscious so that I have more consciousness freed up to deal with other new things. Mm. And so, you know, maybe you go sleep and that helps a lot, which is why we say you should sleep on it, Mm -hmm. trying to make a decision about something. Um, let your mind sort through what it can, what it can forget about what's important, what's not important, you know, what consciousness thought was new, but actually really we can recategorize as this other thing that I actually already understood and just sort of augment my model of that. And then now I've freed up more consciousness for new things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let me, let me kind of go back a little bit. Cause I think there's some interesting things you kind of, as you're unpacking that I kind of saw is like, so what do you give a, the person who is just plodding along yeah. and Cause sometimes I put that into that first category of breaking, but I don't even know if that's actually true because they're not really interested in learning something new at all in general. Mm-hmm. And then once they kind of get pushed a little bit, they're like, Oh no, I, I kind of like just, I kind of like just yeah. moving along. You know, it's like, I don't want to have to encounter new things. <laughs> I want to like, I want the world to be the way it always has been for me. Yeah. Well, I immediately think of the DMV. <laughs> Oh, I just shot that on my nose, man. Oh. <laughs> Whiskey in the nostrils. Whiskey in the nostrils. There you go. <laughs> Wake you up. <laughs> you were seeming a little sluggish. Yeah, yeah. totally. Tell um, me. <clears throat> well, you go to the DMV and you interact with... It's the universal symbol for something no one wants to do. Mm-hmm. And I think part of the reason for that is that job doesn't require any newness. And we all wish that it had some newness because it's just, it's miserable. Mm -hmm. But the people who work there are are often miserable as well. And part of that is that they're doing a repetitive task that takes no consciousness. There's nothing new about it. Mm -hmm. They deal with the same exact thing, do the, do the same things in response. Yeah. Stamp the paper. Right. You know, and every once in a while you'll get someone who like will allow the newness of a new, interacting with a new individual Mm -hmm. be exciting, you Mm -hmm. know, and that's like a breath of fresh air. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think the danger of of the staying in the plodding along state, it seems like experientially, if you stay in that state, you start to become disgruntled. Mm-hmm. You start to become annoyed with anything that's bothering that, you know, unconscious uh, set of actions. Mm-hmm. You know, we've probably all interacted with somebody where you, you, you know, you throw a curveball into the conversation and it's just like, they're pissed. <laughs> I don't do curveballs here, you know? <laughs> yeah, totally. Let's, let's take it back. <laughs> Pay your fee. I print the paper. You leave. That's uh, how this works. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of the, the Wendy's guy. Did you ever know the Wendy's guy? Dave? Is it Dave? The the guy who started Wendy's? Oh, no, no, no. I was like, I was like, oh, I forgot his name. I think his name was Dave. No, it's a... Uh, uh, UT, uh, there's this guy, uh, Indian fellow, and uh, he was amazing. Like, wait, okay, I'll, I'll tell you, the story. I'll tell me. the story. Okay. 
So like, okay, so you're, you're working at Wendy's, you know, it's like, he's, he was the manager there and everybody knew who he was because he was electric. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was, I mean, he, he was a spectacle, but he was amazing because he would like, he would do orders so fast. Hey, hey, what's up? Oh, got you. What, you, what do you got? I got you. Oh yeah. That's a good one. Bah, 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 bah. Ta, yeah. All right, cool. All right. Line up there. Go over there. But he was like, he had this thing that he took Wendy, some sort of like, that was like a, a mundane experience, mindless. And he like electrified it. Right. I mean, it was so obvious. It was over the top. Like everybody knew who he was. Like it almost wasn't even Wendy's. It was right. this, it was guy's, this place. guy's place. And so it's amazing. Like some taking something that is like mundane and taking it to another, like another level. Like, right. I don't know. He was, he's kind of one of those guys that you're just like, wow, that's truly inspiring actually. It reminds me. Um, Adjust your signal a yeah. bit. It reminds because I was yelling a lot. Yeah, <laughs> it reminds me a little bit of um, uh, Juan in a Million, mm. and the guy Juan. He's yeah. kind of like that. Mm-hmm. He'll stand there and shake everybody's hand. Yeah, and, and never no handshakes are the same. Yeah, he, he, you know, it's like there's he this variety. Yeah. It's like it's like no, this is something different. This person's different. This day is different. This day is different. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. You go like you know a couple weekends in a row, and mm-hmm. each time you're like, wow, I, I feel better. After that handshake. Yeah, I got two squeezes on my hand. Yeah, right. Just one this time. Whatever. Well, so maybe the lesson there is that, you know, if you are in a job that isn't isn't pushing you into new territory, new information, mm-hmm. um, engaging your consciousness, you have to look for other ways to do that. Like, what is new about each individual who sits down to pay their car registration, mm-hmm. you know, and how can I interact with that? Yeah. And maybe that's the way that you, like, if you are in that kind of position, that's the way that you, um, that's the way you protect yourself against becoming disgruntled. Mm. And, and another way to do that would be, you know, there are other types of people who will like, if they're doing something mundane or, or just repetitive, even if it's not mundane, I guess anything repetitive becomes mundane, mm-hmm. right? Oh yeah. It doesn't matter how complicated it is. Mm-hmm. Like humans are capable of taking incredibly complex, complicated tasks and turning them mundane because we just get so good at them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but so another type of individual will take that and be like, well, how could I cut out steps three, 10 and 17, mm-hmm. you know, and innovate on top of that and use their consciousness to innovate. Yeah. You know, but maybe the system doesn't allow it, you mm-hmm. know, back to the DMV example, DMV, anything, any government body is so like resistant to change. Even if you come up with a good idea, it's probably hard to get implemented. Well, I think that's whenever, especially in bureaucracies like the government, it's like those types of people stand out because they can transform the mundane into something that's extraordinary. Mm. And those people tend to be the ones that are, um, rewarded or, are you know, it's like, but I think there's also a, there's also a, again, this is all cliche, but there's also a, a status quo to to maintain in the bureaucracy because they don't want they don't want people to to stand out. You know, it's like they don't want those that innovation. They're sort of like I want this because that's newness that you then have to deal with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or like I might have to actually work a little bit harder or show a little bit more. Mm-hmm. You know, to do that. And again, this is this is all very uh, what do you call it a blanket uh, blanket statements right. here. But, uh, but I think it's really this, it's, so you can kind of see where like in that first breaking point where it's kind of a, it's, it's about being stuck, you know, not getting creative and not, Hmm. and not, not looking to that next place to learn something new or to come at it from a different direction. You know, it's interesting to bring the word create creative into it. Hmm. Yeah. Because it does require creativity, Mm -hmm. whether that is to innovate on top of something mundane or to notice newness when you don't need to. Yeah. I mean, I challenge you to go to Juan in a million and shake Juan's hand (laughs) and tell me that that wasn't a creative process. Mm -hmm. Like something changed. Oh yeah. Something was created there. You know, even if for a brief moment, Mm -hmm. it's his ability to look at you and genuinely like incredibly genuinely, Mm -hmm shake your hand and say, thank you for being here. I hope you're having an incredible day. Yeah. Like something's created. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's really the, <clears throat> once you get into the second breaking point is really, is, is really where the work is. I think, you know, um, you know, I think that's part of like, 
again, I, I want to kind of preface this all in that there's points in our life where we just like, Hey, I need to step back and just kind of chill, you know? So I'm not really, this is not really speaking to those times in your life, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, right. Totally. But it's more about, it's more of a, about an attitude that is in general or a character. Well, <clears throat> I mean, that could be a valid response, right? Mm-hmm. If you hit a breaking point, <clears throat> yeah, you know, I can't, I can't move forward. Like, as I said earlier, like one of the solutions to that could be taking or going to like taking a nap or just sleeping on it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Another possibility is it could be like, you need a vacation. Yeah. You know, you need to not be on your, you know, not, not be accessible for mm-hmm. a weekend or a week. Yeah. You know, or two months or two months. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's something people do need. Mm-hmm. They need breaks. Yeah. Which I think is interesting. We used to, I think more of that, more of that used to be built into life by necessity. Mm-hmm. You know, when we were living more off the land before sort of the industrial revolution, oh, sure, yeah. you know, <clears throat> if it got dark, you kind of couldn't do anything. So you had to take a break in the winter kind of had to just take a break. Mm-hmm. And now we have, um, it's like we've synthesized the climate within our houses. Yeah. You know, it can be 110 outside, but 74 inside. It can be below freezing outside, but toasty inside. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've synthesized light, the sun. Um, we have created an environment in which it is possible to work all the time, mm-hmm. work or learn or whatever, you yeah. know, there's almost, and you see us suffering from it a bit, I think. And, and, you know, even in, um, you know, startup culture, for example, like mm. the expectation is you're going to work 60 to 80 hours a week because why wouldn't you, why couldn't you, mm-hmm. you can. So yeah, you have access to do the it. work at all times. Yeah. It's not like you have to be somewhere or whatever. Right, right. Yeah. I saw something recently, at, uh, probably on, you know, social media <laughs> where everything is seen these days. And it was like, what if, uh, you know, banks shut down the stock market shuts down what if like instagram and facebook just went offline mm-hmm. at 6 p.m every night until 7 a.m the next morning what can you imagine yeah how would that change your life well i can definitely tell you uh how my kids react to it when you say it's like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like no more screen time yeah like, or like, what, if, what if the whole internet just went offline yeah. every night mm-hmm Oh yeah. Like, so it used to be like, you know, Sundays, everybody was closed basically, mm-hmm. you know, a few essential things, but grocery stores, like, yeah, I don't know how that it's probably changed in Europe now, but like, you know, I remember, uh, my brother and I were in Italy or no, and oh, yeah, with that too. But then I guess more recently in 2010, it was like Alice and I were in Antwerp and we almost forgot that things were going to be closed on Sunday. So we had to go to the grocery store and get all of our stuff for Sunday. Cause at the time we were, we were, we were in a, we were in an apartment and, and just, uh, we had to cook all of our meals, you know? So it's mm-hmm. like, it was just, it was also real. It was also amazing. I was like, yeah, there's nothing going to be open. Yeah. And there was something that was just changed and it was different about that. When I was in high school, <clears throat> I spent <clears throat> two or three weeks on vacation with a, an aunt and uncle of mine in Mexico. Mm-hmm. And it was like that in the middle of the day, Oh yeah. you know, uh, every business shuts down from mm-hmm. like, I don't know, three to six or something like that mm-hmm. for siesta. And I remember, you know, we'd be doing something and all of a sudden everything just closes. And it's like, well, what do you, well, we needed something. Well, sorry, you can't have it. <laughs> <laughs> we, you know, we're, we don't nap. So figures, you know, I don't know, take a walk, whatever. It's like Amazon Prime. You now. just kind of figure out what to do with yourself and uh-huh. you always do, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, you always do figure out what to do with yourself. Sometimes yeah. it takes forced limitation. I mean, this is, this is a, uh, back to the idea that creativity requires limitation. Mm-hmm. So self-imposed limitation will always direct your attention to something that you wouldn't have otherwise looked at. Totally. You see it with their kids. It's like, you know, they, you say, okay, no screen time during this time. It's like, you gotta figure out something. I'm bored. You know, it's right. like, <clears throat> but it doesn't last. No, it doesn't last. They find something to do. It's like, yeah. and it's always something creative and it's always something that is like, Oh, cool. We should do this more often. Right. <laughs> uh, but I think the, I think the part about this the second breaking point is in given all that we just talking about is that you hit this place where you cannot it's like you realize that you have to grow there's something in you that you need to put effort into 
expanding yourself in another direction. You know, it's like, you know, whether it be like in a relationship or at your job or uh, with your family or, or whatever it might be, it's like, okay, I need to spend some concerted effort to learn or to grow in this area, you mm-hmm. know? And that is that point that, you know, you can either just not do it and, and sit back into the way things have always been and just continue in that space. Or you can kind of push into that next mm. and grow into that next space right. as far as like, you know, being a husband or being a, a wife or a, a father or mother or whatever it might be in a family situation. You know, it's like, um, yeah, that, that one's always in your face because your kids are very much <laughs> represent a lot when you're like, oh, yeah. I need to do this differently. You yeah, know, it's like, right. Uh, but I think there's, you know, it's like, or just understanding something, you know, it's like, whether it be, you know, uh, vaccines or uh, inflation or hmm. uh, what the job market's like, what's going to be like in five or 10 years from now, what's, what's the, what's, how can I plan for the future? Um, is what I'm doing right now going to project into the future in a way that will be beneficial for me and my family or whatever goals I have, you know, what things I value, like, am I pushing those things further into the future? Um, so I think that's, that's the place where, you know, you, you read books, you ask questions, you explore, you get things wrong, but you have to step out there in a place that is, is the unknown. And you're trying to gather some things around you that, Hmm you can kind of come back and look through and see if you, it's like casting your net out and then pulling it in and seeing, Oh, there's a rock. There's a, this, or, Oh, there's a little shrimp. You know, you, you find little, <laughs> you find, you find little, little nuggets, but you also get a lot of trash during that yeah. period. Well, so that's interesting. That starts to make me think about your third case of breaking or, or, uh, I think it's better to characterize as breaking through, mm-hmm. <clears throat> So if I stick to my model of consciousness is what deals with what's new and mm-hmm. the first and second breaking point are characterized by an overload of newness mm-hmm. and you need, you need to break and in, in order to allow some of that newness to settle um, into that muscle memory space. I feel like there needs to be a better word for that. Mm-hmm. It's not exactly always muscle memory, but well, maybe <clears> into uh, the subconscious. Even Gilchrist, like when he talks about the left brain, right brain. Yeah, you know, it's like when you're learning something new, it's very, it's very right brain, very right brain, and then it moves back into the left brain where it becomes mechanical. It becomes categorized. It becomes known. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then at some point, okay, so you freed up some consciousness to move forward more, and so you start moving again, and then maybe you have another breaking point, but maybe this time. Or maybe you don't. Maybe you hit another point where you suddenly become conscious not only of the new information coming in, but of all of the information that you have successfully incorporated into the known, into Mm -hmm. the memory, into the unconscious. Yeah. You become conscious of that. Mm. And then all of a sudden you go, oh, I recognize these new pieces of information Mm -hmm. as something that I've encountered before, but wasn't like wasn't exactly conscious that that's what it was that I was encountering. Mm-hmm. And that feels like a breakthrough. It's yeah. like all of a sudden everything's not new. I can start identifying some things. I can mm-hmm. start talking about things that I couldn't talk about before. And that's like a Eureka, like, Oh, I've learned something, mm-hmm. you know, totally. and you don't really know that until you, well, that's, that's another new piece of information. You know, <laughs> your consciousness goes, Oh yeah, you know, this, you know how to do this. It's almost like we kind of want our kids to learn those things too. It's like, it's, you know, again, it's the old adage of like, school's boring. It's dumb. It's like, right. no, you'll, you'll need this when you get older. It's like, that's stupid. <laughs> or, or it reminds me of, um, I can't think of a specific example, but I think we can all maybe relate to this. You can imagine a movie in which there's like a, a sensei and a student oh, and the totally. student is just uh-huh. like Danielson, D- Danielson. He's terrible. <laughs> um, can't get anything right, you know, and the, the, the master's pushing him and pushing him and he thinks he's terrible. The, the student thinks he's terrible and time and time again, he keeps showing up, he keeps failing. And then all of a sudden 
he gets into some situation and something comes at him and without realizing it, he responds to it properly in mm-hmm. the way that he was taught. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden it's like his eyes light up. I know I, I did it. Mm-hmm. It's like it was in him, but he yeah. didn't know it was in him mm-hmm. until he knew it was in him. And yeah. then he, he, he does it and he's like, Oh, it's in me. And then it's a breakthrough. And all of a sudden he starts fighting. It's kind of the, the, the matrix too. That's like <laughs> totally. another example of it. Uh, Neo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All of a sudden he realizes what's well, in the, you and I've talked about a lot of that's kind of the superhero motif. It's sort of like, you know, until they're put into a situation where it's impossible and then they react, it's sort of like, Oh, mm-hmm. whoa, I have this superpower, but it always comes through stress or some sort of like insurmountable goal, you know, that somehow they step up to and they realize that they have these powers, you know? Right. Well, it's like your example of the, the Navy SEAL, like mm. being pushed to the breaking point. You know, <laughs> I kind of feel bad using the analogy because I've never really done martial arts. But <laughs> it's like you don't, you'll never know exactly what you're capable of in the dojo. Mm-hmm. It's like in the practice space. Yeah. You have to be, you have to encounter the real world. Mm-hmm. That's where the breakthrough always happens. Well, I think for you and I, it's, it's, it's in, you and I talk a lot about so I'll speak of you and I as one entity. <clears throat> you and I talk a lot about a lot of things that are going on in the world. And <clears throat> I've experienced experiences from you. It's like <laughs> you go out there and you like encounter something new. And then you like, wow, I actually knew about this. And I was able to talk to them mm-hmm. about this mm-hmm. in a way that kind of surprised me how well I understood it. Yeah. And I, you know, I have, the, I have the same experience, you know, it's like, it's like, well, after we've just torn through all these different things and then we kind of go out there and like you encounter a different perspective and you're like, well, what about this? Or how about that? And then all of a sudden the conversation with this person just blossoms into something that is. Cause it's almost like you don't, <clears throat> you don't know. You only know what something is. You only know what you know mm-hmm. by contrast. Mm-hmm. Like if you and I are sitting here, working through things, figuring things out, yeah. the two of us heads down working on something together, mm-hmm. we won't really know what we've learned mm. exactly. Like we could tell each other and maybe, maybe someone else, but we won't really know it mm-hmm. until that's more embodied in the sense that it's, it's put up against something that it's not, mm-hmm. you know, we go have a conversation with somebody who hasn't been heads down with us. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden by contrast, we're like, Oh, I didn't realize that I, actually had command of this information in my head. Mm -hmm. I thought it was all still questions, but apparently I can speak about this. Yeah. And then that person brings in new things that are new ways or objections that actually activate things that maybe you and I didn't discuss, but activates kind of along those same lines. I saw this uh, great quote today. I mean, what you were just saying is, I don't remember which episode it was on, but I, I have tried to make the point before that I think relationship is fundamental to mm. reality. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and um, that's the point you're making. Mm-hmm. It's like you don't know what you know until you talk to someone else about it. And then you also learn about what you know by talking to them about it. And, and what you don't, like they add new things to it and it, be, it starts to evolve. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think that's with kids and like, you know, being married and stuff like that is like, you have that encounter with somebody on a daily basis. They reflect mm-hmm. to you. Yeah. Especially kids because Which is what people say about kids all the time. Mm-hmm. They show you who you are. Yeah. Yeah, totally. It's a, a quote from Jordan Peterson. He said, people organize their brains with conversation. If they don't have anyone to tell their story to, they lose their minds. Ooh, that's interesting. Fuck, that's really good. Yeah. Oh, the first thing, it just reminds me, like, it's so important to listen, you know? Like, how many people need to be able to tell their story mm-hmm. and for someone to listen and to get feedback, you know? And whether it's feedback through silence or feedback through a pushback, you know, or aggressive feedback you know it's like it's all situational but like allowing people to have that engagement you know 
Like we, we need that engagement. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes it's, it's just sharing. It's, <laughs> it's so yeah. obviously evident. Mm-hmm. You know, when you get into a conversation with a stranger, it seems evident because things come up in that conversation that you're like, this has nothing to do with the coffee that you're ordering, sir. Yeah. You know, but we all need to talk about our Mm -hmm. lives. And I thought when I read that quote, you know, if if people have no one to tell their story to, they lose their minds. Mm. And I think that seems so true to me. You know, if you go out into the woods and you're secluded and alone for a long enough time, you come back into the culture, mm-hmm. you're going to seem as though you've lost your mind. And perhaps you mm. have. And I thought, well, what does it mean to lose your mind? I'm not sure that there's any other way to say it than you can no longer relate to anyone around you. Mm-hmm. You've lost your mind. Mm. There is something about normalcy, which I think has become sort of a dirty word um, in our culture. But there is something about that that is the lens through which we are able to operate at all in mm. the world. Because you know, we need to speak the same language. Otherwise, we can't share headspace. Yeah. We need to speak the same language and share headspace in order to communicate and be creative, be innovative. Mm. Um, but then when we share the same headspace, we have to at least recognize the headspace. Mm-hmm. And if I can't, you know, even if you can and I can communicate, but I can't recognize your headspace at mm-hmm. all, that is the definition of, well, he's lost his mind. I don't know what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, I understand the words, but he's not talking about the things that I'm talking about yeah. as much as I try. <clears throat> Golly, that's so fascinating. It's like, I want to go a couple different directions with that, how you said that. Well, the first is like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, this might be like a complete, it just reminds me of like whenever, uh, when I was crazy, like there was a certain amount of like normalizing and it was funny cause like, as I was able to normalize, it was very apparent to me that there was a sort of like, it's almost like a crazy that everybody accepts, hmm. you know? And, and there's a crazy that, that you don't accept that's sort of on the, on the opposite side, on one side of it, that's that's really kind of like lost your mind, you know? And then there's like in each culture, it's different, but there's some sort of normalcy that you kind of accept. And it's, it's, a and certain, that normalcy can include a certain amount of crazy. Is yeah. that what you're saying? Well, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's sort of like a, a neutral space. So it's not someplace that you, you should, you should live in, you know, it's like, but it's an, it's enough where everybody has sort of a common ground that we can kind of, get along like you know and 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 for example like in texas you say hey how are you doing do you know that person is no i just said hi right but if you're in new york you're like what the fuck why are you talking to that why are you talking to me you know it's like but that's accepted there's a certain normalcy around Mm -hmm. like you know Mm -hmm. that abrasiveness and maybe like new york is normal where in you know in Texas to say hey how are how are you to is a stranger to a stranger is normal right. you know yeah and the it's, stranger understands that they're like good thanks good you thanks know, yeah. it's like ain't yeah. no thing <laughs> my kids are always like do you know that person like, no I was just saying hi <laughs> <laughs> especially for those of us that grew up in small town Texas yeah totally uh-huh. which you didn't exactly grow up in small town Texas but you grew up in Texas Texas I grew up in big city Amarillo <laughs> big city Amarillo <laughs> uh-huh. home of seventy two ounce steak <laughs> it reminds me of um. Like, uh, my grandmother in her sort of final years had dementia, Mm -hmm. um, pretty bad. And when it first started happening, you know, we would all in the family, she lived with my parents and we would all really try hard to like understand what she was saying and what she meant by what she was saying and, Mm -hmm. um, whether she knew what she was saying and trying to make sense of things and trying to bring her, you know, try to bring her out of it or whatever, you know, after enough time goes by, you, You just kind of like, she says something and everybody just sort of writes it off mm-hmm. as she's being her, yeah, yeah. you know, and most of it was funny. She actually had like a great sense of humor. Mm-hmm. And so stuff would, you know, random stuff would come out. Like we'd be watching some movie and she'd just be sitting on the couch for quiet for an hour. And all of a sudden she'd go, they're smoking pot, aren't they? <laughs> you know? <laughs> and everybody you just kind of laugh you know you don't try to make sense of it you don't try to tie it to reality it's just this little bubble of crazy that we all accept and and, and obviously we wish it wasn't that way Mm -hmm. you know 
we wish she wasn't sick, mm-hmm. that she didn't have dementia, that her brain was still functioning properly. That would be better, but it wasn't what was true. And so you incorporate, you, you normalize the abnormality. Which is fascinating because there's a certain, <clears throat> like I would say normalcy is sort of the status quo kind of stuff. And, and I think we need it as a culture. Like there's certain things that are, but there's also a, a danger to it too. So, um, uh, I, I don't want to, I don't want to make these, this dichotomy, but I'm going to do it anyways, just, to, just to kind of put a juxtaposition to these thoughts, like mm-hmm. sort of like, let's say actual crazy versus enlightenment or something like that, you know, some sort of maybe Taoist or two ends of a spectrum, two ends of the spectrum, you know? And so it's like, there's normalcy kind of like is in the middle. It's sort of like this neutral space that you can kind of like that everybody can kind of meet in that space, you mm-hmm. know? Um, but it's like, it's like, I feel like that, that place of normalcy needs to be always progressing towards, I don't know the right word, but we'll just use enlightenment, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, and so what was accepted, you know, 20 years ago is not accepted today, you know, and you know, 30 mm-hmm. years, you know, it's like, there's a sort of progression you can kind of see this today, you know, it's like where, you know, racism is not accepted in our culture as it was maybe 50 years ago or 80 years ago or 90 years ago. Um, or our women's role in society. You know, there's a lot of things that have kind of changed over the years that might have been acceptable 50 or 60 years ago or not acceptable today. So there's a lot of those types of things. So what is normal has changed. Uh, And I'd like to think it's progressing to something that is more towards kind of enlightenment. Mm. But then you also have this idea of where you see a regression that can become the normal. Like where, like a lot right now, it's like you, like, we want to bring race into every issue that there is, you know, like critical race theory. It's like, it's not that whether or not it, racism is present. It's, 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 it's as if that it, where is, well, shoot, I got it all wrong. How do you say that? It's not, that, it's not as if race does. Are, are, are you trying to yeah. put the two definitions of racism, mm-hmm. the, the old definition and the new one? Yeah. Yeah. So it's not that racism doesn't exist. Mm. The new definition says that racism is the lens through which we should see everything. Yeah. Yeah. So like if that starts to become a normal, a, sort of the normalcy of, of what our society, it's, it's not, that's actually a regression rather than a progression <clears throat> into right. the future. Right. <clears throat> so I guess that's the part where, you know, so normalcy can be a very safe place unless it sort of regresses instead of progresses. Well, it makes me think about, um, you know, a repetitive task becoming mundane Mm -hmm. and that mundane, mundanity, mundane, that's not a word. (laughs) I like it though. Uh, roll with it. Yeah. Roll with it. Mundanity. Mundanity. Uh, can cause you to become disgruntled Mm -hmm. because there's nothing new. There's no creativity. There's no growth. Mm -hmm. And these are for whatever reason, human imperatives, I think. Yeah. So normalcy, it, as you defined it, as the the place that we can all meet and sort of function, mm-hmm. um, well, normalcy also will become mundane and cause disgruntledness, mm-hmm. and so it needs to it needs to incorporate what's at the fringes. Yeah. Back to our favorite analogy, mm-hmm. um, we need to we need to live on an island, but we need to go out to the shores and incorporate what's new, what's unknown, <clears throat> and as it does, it will progress or regress Mm -hmm. depending on how we engage in that process. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think the progress part is, is going out into the unknown. It's like the regress is staying within your Island Mm -hmm. and regressing into the center of your Island. I think you can also, there's another way to regress, which I think is more of the example that you're giving about racism Mm -hmm. um, is that as new, as we incorporate newness, as we change and progress, mm-hmm. you can also, as the new information is incorporated, that information can become perverted as it's mm. brought into the normal, into normalcy. Yeah. Um, you know, for example, I, th- I think racism is a good example of that because, you know, I think up until the early 2000s, the majority of people would say, yeah, racism exists. That's a, a big problem. But for the most part, it's not a part of anyone's daily life. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like we beat it. It's not really there anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you might not be okay with that because that might not perfectly def- match your 
your reality. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's new information, right? And so as you bring that new information in, the culture has the ability to pervert that and say, well, that is observably true, but here's the reasons for that. It's actually that it's worse than ever and you just don't see it like you used to. It's become systemic. It's become covert as opposed to overt. It's, mm. And so you pervert that in, on the way in and in, in reestablish a new normalcy around the thing that you had moved away from. Oh, that's fascinating. The covert overt thing has been a really big, big discussion in that mm-hmm. area. But I think that's part two is like moving into the future. Um, the part of the breakthrough and the number two and the number one ideas, you know, it's like our number two, and number three ideas of, of breaking and breakthrough um, <clears throat> where it's like, I feel like we've gone through this breakthrough specifically in racism and stuff like that. And it doesn't mean that doesn't still exist, but we need, we need bigger goals. Um, and I think that's the part of us pushing into the next is, how we um, how we congregate ourselves around ideas it's like if we if our if our goals are too small I think that leads to sort of a regression you know it's like we need big goals like yeah going to Mars <clears throat> sounds ridiculous you know uh, we need um, <laughs> Bitcoin <laughs> you know these yeah. ideas that are like bigger than us but it's all it's includes all of us you know it's like you know uh, you see this whenever there's a common enemy and oh i was thinking about this this week it's like um like we we need an enemy we or it needs something to overcome like it's it's something that's kind of built into us uh it's part of the hero's journey uh it's in psychology and it you see this in all of our stories like and it's like i think the part that we get to, and I think this is kind of part of the more lower breaking points. Like the one is like, we try to create an enemy that is so much more, uh, tangible and, uh, easily accessible, whether it be somebody's color, their skin, you know, it's like, they're the enemy because of they're this color or mm-hmm. they're this religion or they're this, it's something that's, it's low hanging fruit that you can identify as, something to overcome or to subdue, you know, Hmm. where, where we're kind of in a place that we need higher things to overcome and subdue. Hmm. And as a people, you know, that's, that's, you know, in the eighties it was Russia or whatever, you know, like again, but as, as our world becomes more interconnected, we need larger goals. It's almost like, as a as a planetary species, as a Earth species, it's like I think the thing that symbolizes them the most, and I don't necessarily think this is it, but it's like going to Mars is that symbol. It's sort of like as a planet, we need to think to the future, yeah, and that is being interplanetary. Well, two thoughts. One is <clears throat> that's a symbol. To if me, you don't have a thing. god, you need an enemy. Yes, mm-hmm. you need something. It's the idea that we mentioned before that you don't you can't really understand something without contrast. Mm-hmm. And so where are you? Well, where are you in relation to what? Mm-hmm. Who are you? Who are you in relation to what? Mm-hmm. And if there is, if there is no God, then where are you and who are you in relation to what you can replace that with an enemy. Mm. You can also replace that with a goal, but that goal needs to be, sufficiently broad Mm -hmm. that you can't easily reach it. Otherwise you run into the problem, but well, I think the racism problem, Mm -hmm. it's like you beat it. Then what do you do? I don't have anything in that place anymore. It's like a company with an insufficiently broad mission statement is going to fall apart because it will, it will fulfill its mission. And then what does it do? Mm -hmm. You're standing around with nothing to do at that point. So, you need things that are lofty. You need things that are ideals mm-hmm. to move toward. Well, I think in that, in that journal, the, the, another part of that kind of struck me in this area was, you know, specifically in Christianity, you see this, like uh, Paul talks about is like our war is not against flesh and blood. 
but against the powers and principalities of this dark world. So there's this idea the enemy is outside, but it's not flesh and blood. It's not religious. The religions, the people, the colors are all the things. It's like, those aren't our enemies. It's something outside that's the enemy. You know, I think that's probably one of the best things about uh, Judaism and Christianity is like, it's like there's a devil. There's something outside that we're warring against. It's not the individual. Well, it's sort of the, that's the same helpful, sufficiently broad concept Mm -hmm. such that you can't, anyone can be redeemed from that. Even Mm -hmm. someone who's your enemy can be redeemed. There's always hope. There's always, yeah, redemption. Right. Mm -hmm. As long as the, the thing that you're warring against is broad enough that they can, that they can be removed from it. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're, if what you're warring against is a specific race or a specific sex or a specific class, mm-hmm. you can't exactly remove, you can't opt out of those things. Mm-hmm. Maybe class, I suppose, but the other two, you can't opt out. And so you're, you're condemning those groups to damnation mm-hmm. with no ability for redemption. Yeah. I think that's what makes it so. I mean, that's why I think racism specifically is uniquely and powerfully evil. Mm. And it's why we fight against it so hard, why we hate it so much. Mm. Because, you know, if you're. Well, I, I won't take that one any further at the moment. Yeah. Well, just basically that if you're if you dislike someone based on an immutable characteristic, mm-hmm. it, it, it means nothing. I mean, it's right. like, it doesn't like, it's just, it's ridiculous. And I feel like that's something in this day and age we've, we've come to realize, you know, and are coming to realize in many ways, like, you know, even Republican Democrat, you see the, the hate and mm-hmm. sort of like, it's like they're, they're people. You know, it's like you're you're kind of attributing right. you're this forgetting whole idea. That, you're forgetting that <clears throat> above and beyond mm-hmm. political party, they are people. Yeah, and that's another one of those sufficiently broad categories mm-hmm. that we need mm-hmm. in in order to love people, in order to redeem people. Yeah, but again, it comes back to our whole you know breaking places. It's like to incorporate new information, and you know you encounter somebody or whatever side of the political law you're on, whether Democrat or public, it's like, Oh, he's a Republican or she's a Republican or she's a Democrat or he's a Democrat or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like, right. okay, something's not adding up. I actually like this person. Yeah. I disagree with them on some areas, but I like the person. Mm-hmm. And so it causes you to incorporate new information mm-hmm. or you can st- stick in that sort of like, no, I'm not going to incorporate new information. Republicans are bad and evil and they want to, you know, stand for these things or Democrats are this way and they stand for these things. You're not going to, you're not willing to incorporate new information where I find, you know, also in the more breakthrough areas is where you're like, Oh my gosh, look, we actually have a lot of common goals and, and let's work together. We're going to disagree, but in that disagreement, it provides the tension that we need to make good decisions to actually move forward, to actually move forward. Yeah. Would you participate with me in this breakthrough? Yeah. And I think that's the part of the relational aspect when people are participating in the breakthrough, when's when amazing things happen, you know, but I think it's just hard because it's, it's a conglomeration of a lot of people who will not move people who are needing time to incorporate new information. And then those who are in that space of breakthrough and working together relationally, you know? Yeah. And so you kind of have to be able to, work with all three categories to move us forward. And I think that's why specifically, specifically in politics, it takes so long because uh, you're working with all three categories to move us into the future, which is different from business. I think, which I like business in that way is that you can have more specific goals and people can either come on board and go into the future with you and it can work <laughs> or, it can't. or they can, or they can move on <laughs> or they can move I mean, on. You can kind of, that's mm-hmm. the thing is like on smaller scales, mm-hmm. you can more successfully implementing, implement something like a dictatorship or like a mm-hmm. communist, uh, mm-hmm. <clears throat> formula mm-hmm. that actually works quite well. Yeah. It stops working when you get into a large enough scale. Totally. 
And it's great on the, on smaller scales because things will implode or won't work and they reveal themselves. That's the whole thing about capitalism, entrepreneurship. It's like, right. it's like we see all these people go out into the world and try things and we see pe- certain people fail and certain people succeed and certain people do in between. And then we can assess and go, oh, okay, cool. I'm going to try this. And in that way, it, 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 it affects less people but we're able to progress into the future in a way that we learn from all the different other right. uh, entrepreneurs are stepping out into that space. Right. Free, free people, market capitalism allows you to outsource failure. Yeah. Which is not like cronyism, capitalism, crony capitalism, you know? Right. Yeah. Define crony capitalism. Oh, <laughs> shit. I knew you were going to say that. Uh, my kindergarten version of crony capitalism is basically where uh, you gather it's all about your friends and, and, and enriching your friends. Right. And you, uh, it's not really about new ideas. It's about enriching those people that are around you. Mm. Basically. I think that's possibly a close <laughs> approximation. So like, uh, like nepotism good. would, would fall into crony capitalism. Yeah. It's like I, I, I'm I not hiring so. you based upon your ability. I'm hiring you based upon your, mm. the fact that you're, a friend or family. Yeah. Yeah. Or I'm going to make, I'm going to, I'm going to do business with you because you are a close friend and it's right. not that you're going to do a good job. It's that, you know, <laughs> your dad is Joe Biden. <laughs> yeah. That would, that's great. Capitalism. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's so funny. There's so many definitions of things that I, I don't know, like the, the textbook definition, uh-huh. but like right. you can say like, yeah, like Joe Biden, uh, Hunter, Hunter Biden, you right. know, it's like, yeah, there you go. Crony capitalism. You know, yeah. it's like, uh, probably like there's some things with, uh, Trump and, uh, Trump jr. Or something For like sure. that. You yeah. Know, or like, his dad, uh, Trump's Trump's dad. Trump's dad. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I think the more, the further into these conversations we get and maybe the more I understand or the older I get, the more everything starts to look like a negotiation with the Ouroboros. It's like a negotiation between two extremes mm-hmm. and a need for both. Mm-hmm. And I start to see symbols like the, the, um, the yin and the yang as incredibly meaningful, mm-hmm. you know, whereas <clears throat> when I was in seventh grade, it was just like some weird meaningless thing that the, cute hippie girl behind me likes to draw <laughs> along with a peace sign, you know, uh-huh. and listening to Alanis Morissette. But it's like these things start to become so rich in meaning as we think about, well, how do you solve problems in the real world? Mm. How do you deal with things as complicated as organizing a country of 350 million people? Yeah. Um, how do you deal with a problem like the climate or green energy or uh, cryptocurrency versus fiat or, you know, all of these huge major things. Mm -hmm. And you're confronted with so many simple answers. You're confronted on the one hand with Greta Thunberg. Um, You know, if we would all just listen to her, everything would be better. (laughs) Um, Or, Uh um, you know, on the other hand, Somebody who says, well, you know, if we just had nuclear plants, everything would be fine. Um, but it's all so much more complicated than that. And back to Peterson's quote, we need conversation in order to organize our brains. Mm. And conversation, I think, indicates, well, talking to someone who knows something you don't. Yeah. Talking to someone who believes slightly different things than you do. This is an organizing mechanism. It's not, it doesn't have to be an argument. It doesn't have to be a fight or even a debate. It can simply be an organizing mechanism. And mm-hmm. if we don't do it, we will lose our minds. Yeah. And if we lose our minds, you know, which is to say we can no longer share headspace and communicate, then you really do have an in-group, out-group, and you're going to have conflict. There's, there's no other outcome. Mm-hmm. And whether that conflict becomes, you know, physical and bloody or not, is, you know, who's to say, but you're going to have conflict. So I think the way to avoid conflict is to communicate with one another, <laughs> have conversations. Mm-hmm. And when somebody starts to tell you their story, listen, 
Yes. All right. <laughs> Should we leave a, it there? I think that's a good spot. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. Love you guys. Cheers. Thanks for coming out to the shores and always a good, always a good time. Always. <laughs> All right. Ciao.